the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. First Peter 2.9 says, We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a people for God's own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. We've been saved that we might proclaim the excellencies of Him who has saved us. We are to be salt and light, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll hear more about that on this edition of Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. The Church uh, Church of the Highlands is on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Pastor Leighton teaches verse by verse, and it's easy to follow along. I encourage you to do that. Uh, Turn to the book of Matthew as we begin today, the fifth chapter. While you're turning there, I'll just remind you that uh, this book was written by the apostle of the same name. It was written primarily for a Jewish audience. Recall that the Jews had rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah because he didn't come as they expected him. They thought he was going to be a great economic or military leader. They thought he was going to throw off the yoke of Rome. And when he refused, they refused him. And so what the Apostle does in the first four chapters is introduce Jesus as the fulfillment of Messianic prophecy. And that's why you'll find a time and again a reference that says that in fulfillment of, referring to an Old Testament Messianic prophecy. Having thus introduced Jesus as the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecies as the Messiah, he then has Jesus introduce his kingdom. Matthew chapter 5 and following. Seeing the multitudes... He went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly great glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Each of the Beatitudes is built upon the foundation established by the predecessor Beatitude. We find when we look at blessed are the peacemakers, and we looked at it a few weeks ago, we found out that what Jesus was referring to when he said peace was probably not what we would refer to. Because we have a tendency of thinking of peace as being the absence of conflict. But when Jesus used that phrase, he meant the presence of righteousness. And when we make peace, we bring the presence of righteousness, which requires us to confront unrighteousness. And sometimes as the result of being peacemakers, we endure persecution. Persecution is not fun. And so you can imagine how some of these people thought, well, that's, there's a simple solution for this. I'll just simply bury my righteousness, my peacemaking. And to that, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It's good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of, by men. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In these four verses, Jesus summarizes the function of believers in this world, and it can be encapsulated in one word, influence. We are called to influence this world. John Dunn reminds us, no man is an island. In my studies, I came across this description of Jesus. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He, He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things which usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed between two thieves on a cross. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only possessions he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Yet, 19 centuries have come and gone, and today he's the central figure of the human race. All of the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Napoleon said, I search in vain in history to find the similar to Jesus Christ or anything that can approach the gospel. Nations pass away. Thrones crumble. But the church remains. We're called to carry his influence. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and following, Jesus talks about our influencing the world. In his prayers recorded for us in John chapter 17, Jesus says this, I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. For they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. If thou didst send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus said, as you have sent me, I have sent them. We've been called to continue Christ's ministry his purpose, his calling in this world. 1 Peter 2.9 says, We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a people for God's own possession. Reason. That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been saved that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who has saved us. It's a mandate for Christians to influence the world. Now, the figures of salt and light emphasize different characteristics of influence, but their basic purpose is the same. You see, this world needs salt because it's corrupt, and it needs light because it's dark. The biblical worldview is that the world is corrupted and decayed. It's dark, and it's getting darker always. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, Evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This runs contrary to a certain popular theory called evolution, which suggests that man is evolving ever upward. 
Truly, man has increased his scientific and medical, historical, educational, psychological, and technological uh, knowledge to a degree that's heretofore outstanding. In fact, the scriptures tell us that's what's going to happen in the last days. But it hasn't changed his basic nature. He's just simply created more ways to corrupt and destroy himself. Sometimes I'll watch Star Trek, and it's not that I particularly recommend it, but I like to watch it because I like to uh, get educated on the humanistic concept of utopia. You know, they don't need God. They've got technology. If they have a problem, they'll figure out a technology to cover it. You notice that that is set out about three centuries in the future? We haven't achieved it yet, but, but it's out there, folks. You just got to hang on. I wouldn't be surprised if we were alive three centuries from now and turned it on and Star Trek was on. It would still be three centuries in the future. Just, just hang on. We'll get there. No, we won't. Many philosophers and writers from the last century had a great optimism about the new century. This was going to be the century in which disease would be eliminated and wars and, and crime and violence. This was going to be the century of mankind. World War I. This was the war to end all wars. Man is infected with a deadly virus. It's called sin and the only cure is God. And unfortunately, so many men do not want their sin cured. And they do not want God's righteousness. They hate it. You know, some scientists have proposed that if we can just make a few modifications to man, you know, a, a little surgery here perhaps, um, what we'll do is we'll implant a little chip so that it can send electronic impulses to the brain, uh, maybe a little genetic engineering, we can create the perfect man. If, if I'm not mistaken, that's what Adolf Hitler wanted to do about a half century ago. You see, the Bible tells us it's not going to happen. Every part of man is sinful. David said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Isaiah said, The whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. Jeremiah said that the heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. You see, we go from war to greater war, from crime to greater crime, from immorality to a greater immorality, and from one perversion to a greater perversion. Cyclists continuously down. And God calls His church to stand against the cycle, to stand against the world's self-centeredness and easy solutions and immorality, amorality, and materialism. And unfortunately and very sadly in America, so many churches are more influenced by this world than an influence in this world. Today. Both verse 13 and 14, the pronoun you is emphatic. And what's being communicated here by Jesus is that you are the only salt of the earth. You are the only light of the world. It's only through you. It's only through believers. The very ones who are despised and persecuted by this world are the world's only hope. That word you is plural in both cases. What that's referring to is us collectively. All the believers of all of the lands of all of the ages collectively have been salt and light in our world and influenced it dramatically. I'll give you some examples in just a moment. Does that negate the responsibility of the individual ray of light or the individual grain of salt? No, it does not. 
The word are stresses being rather than doing. You see, Jesus isn't commanding us to be salt. He's not commanding us to be light. He says you are salt. You are light. The only question that is brought up in this passage is, are you effective salt or effective light? Do you think about that very often? The fact that you are salt, you are light. I'm reminded of the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. Well, how bright is your flame? How bright is your bulb? Something to ponder as you go through your day and think about the many ways that you interact with people and share the love and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is a broadcast entitled Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, an outreach from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. They're on the web at highlands.us. This is a nonprofit ministry, and of course you can contribute, become a partner with us when you go to the ministry website, studyversebyverse.com. Looking toward the weekend? Well, there are multiple services, Saturday and Sunday, at Church of the Highlands. You might want to check that out at highlands.us, plus information about uh, directions to the campus can be found there as well. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Think about how you are salt and light. And join us tomorrow as Pastor Layton once again opens the Word of God and we study verse by verse.